Mr. Speaker. All right, it is that time. It's time to talk politics Friday morning. John Moore, Sarah Martin, Morena to you both. Morena. Morena. How are we today? Pretty good. A bit chilly out there, but good. Mm-hmm. Not a bad... Uh, oh, no, I think it's, that, it's not bad. It's not too bad. It's not too bad, naughty putty this morning. Anyway, not bad is not too bad. It's yeah, miserable. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, I don't know. I wasn't outside. So uh, in my toasty warm studio. Anyway, uh, MP pay freezes at a time when civil servants um, are asking for fairer pay. Um, the the independent agency that uh, that is charged with setting the pay for MPs came forth and said, "Right, I think we're going to give you a three to three percent pay rise this year." Um, now the pay rises for MPs is um, fixed to a few other entities um, within government, I believe. Um, so that's where it came from, the 3% pay rise. But the Prime Minister has said no. No, it would not be prudent for us to take uh, a rise at a time when uh, the people we are charged with paying uh, aren't getting, well, I think they're not getting a fair deal. Yes, yes, a very wise move on the part of the government and of Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister. So, yeah, as you said, Jamie, the, the government has frozen salaries for MPs for a year um, and scrapped, also scrapped performance pay for chief executives of major state departments. So basically the CEOs of, of major state departments, which effectively is, could be seen as a pay cut for CEOs. And this is very, I think we have to see this as very much linked to um, the general concerns about inequality. So mm-hmm. the, the fact that uh, in both public and private uh, sector, um, uh, people at the top managerial level are paid way above um, uh, uh, of what an ordinary worker in the private sector or within a, um, a state uh, department would get paid. And also um, the fact that we've had these series of strikes from nurses, from teachers, um, etc. Uh, strikes from both the public sector and private sector uh, pushing for substantial increases in, in, in teachers' pays and nurses' pays, etc. And the government's quite reluctant, uh, if not um, refusing, to actually meet uh, what teachers, uh, etc., are, are calling for in terms of pay increases. So this this is a great uh, propaganda move on the part of the government. They're saying, well, okay, we might not be able to meet exactly what teachers are calling for, but we're prepared to tighten our, our own uh, belts as well. Um, of course, uh, Jacinda Ardern still, uh, at the end of the day, is one of the most highly paid um, Prime Ministers in the world and New Zealand mm-hmm. MPs are amongst the highest paid in the world so um, uh, Jacinda Ardern almost gets half a half a, um, a million a year plus perks, substantial mm-hmm. perks she's paid more than uh, Justin Trudeau of Canada, uh, she's paid more than the Prime Minister um, of Britain uh, Theresa May and um, so yes, uh, MPs and CEOs of uh, State Departments aren't exactly going to be hurting Yeah, yeah. Well, Sarah we heard John uh, mentioned propaganda. Is it propaganda or are they just doing the right thing, you think? Uh, it's probably a bit of both, um, really. I mean, I think there is a growing acknowledgement that um, 
salaries for um, certainly kind of top level chief executives are completely out of whack with what um, ordinary workers are getting. So I think um, this government is committed to trying to some extent to close that gap. Um, and certainly in terms of the chief executives of government departments, there is a desire to rein in some of that those salaries a bit and have, have more realistic salary settings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, so I think there is, you know, there is a, a, a growing recognition that there's one rule for the very well paid and another rule for the rest of us when it comes to wage increases. And, and most public servants have faced wage freezes, a wage freeze actually for the last nine years. Um, so, you know, I think it is about um, restoring some justice. Um, obviously, there's a long way to go. But, um, you know, also it, it's, um, it would have been difficult. It would have been, you know, politically a nightmare for them to have accepted, to, for them to have got 3% salary rise on what are already very high salaries um, when teachers and, and other public servants are not necessarily going to get those kind of rises. Yeah, um, but, you know, in terms of um, state CEOs and the like, if you want the best, you have to pay for the best. I mean, the market kind of regulates this thing, doesn't it? And, and if oh, look, uh, I know plenty of people who would do a really good job for um, a quarter of the salary, you know? Yeah. 150000 instead of 500000 yeah. Some of the chief executives of crowd entities are, are paid well above what the prime minister is. You know, they're paid close to a million dollars. Yeah, 600000 so, um, a year. Yeah, there are plenty of good people who would work for a lot less than that. Oh, yes, but with them almost... And, you know, maybe crap. they could employ more people rather than just put, you know, half a million dollars into one person's pocket. Yeah, yeah. Employ ten people. And and the question is, uh, can those people who are working at top levels of government departments or uh, state-owned enterprises, would they be able to just walk into a, a cushy, well-paid job in the private sector? Um, in a sense, uh, there are arguments that the government is artificially inflating uh, the, the amount that CEOs are paid both in the private and public sector, that by offering such lucrative deals, it, it pushes up the salaries as a whole. Um, it's yeah, it's an artificial intervention into the into the market. If you're going to argue from a right wing point of view, um, and and remember, there are there are deep concerns also about the the amount that CEOs in the private sector are paid as well. Now, unless the government brings in uh, new legislation, it's it's almost impossible under the current uh, sort of economic regime for governments to intervene and to uh, police what. CEOs in the private sector are paid, but nonetheless, there, there are deep concerns throughout the Western world about the, the extravagant amounts that CEOs are paid. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go back right back to the financial crisis where um, the financial system almost collapsed. Uh, there were bailouts of, of billions and billions of dollars uh, by, say, the American government and the uh, British government, etc. Um, and, and CEOs in those top level financial institutions still got bonuses yeah. <laughs> after yeah, they almost think, brought know, down the entire system. question about whether they would attract good people. You know, there are plenty of... A lot of those gov- those public service, services are kept alive by people, really talented, skilled people, doing the hard graft, such as delivering frontline public services, who, you know, without whom the services would fall apart. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't have the kind of bargaining power to say, well, if you want me, pay me half a million dollars. No. You know, I, I just reject that whole idea that if you that the whole of the, that the whole thing rests on some very very high school person getting paid huge amounts of money at the top of the, 
top of the pyramid. You know, the pyramid is all those people underneath doing the hard work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, uh, will we be able to rein it back in, though? We might be able to stop rises now, but we're not going to be able to cut the pay by a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year and then get, you know, and then when, when the position's put back out there. So well, we're kind of stuck in it now, aren't we? Uh, not necessarily, but it would take a, a, a very radical and bold government to actually cut the pay of top-level CEOs in the public sector and to cut the pay of MPs, etc. Um, Parliament is sovereign, so in a sense it can do what it likes, mm. uh, but it would face uh, a tremendous uh, backlash, um, for sure. Uh, um, just just the government co- uh, indicating that it's going to raise the min- minimum wage, for example, usually uh, engineers a backlash from corporate interests, business interests, uh, uh, right-wing talkback hosts, etc. So if they were actually going to cut the pay of top-level CEOs in the state sector, yeah, it would, mm-hmm. it would be war, mm-hmm. effectively. And that's not going to happen under this government. No. I'd like to know how much a uh, Crown Limousine chauffeur gets paid, because it seems like it costs a lot to travel around the country in a Crown Limousine. (laughs) (laughs) It costs heaps. Uh, Anyway, what are MPs saying? Are they happy about this? Uh, there's certainly no, uh, I don't believe any of the political parties are, uh, are complaining about this freeze on pay and it would be very unwise for them to do so. Um, uh, even under the um, previous John Key government there were some limits put on the, the increase um, of pay for MPs. Yes, but he said his hands were tied in the exact same circumstance where um, we're seeing Jacinda Ardern actually do something. He said he couldn't freeze, it wasn't up to him, he couldn't intervene with what the this uh, independent body was doing. Well, he did actually change the rules. So under John Key, MPs' remuneration could only rise in line with wage increases for ordinary public servants. So he did bring in some some new rules. Um, but yeah, um, th- th- there's criticisms of that. He he, he effectively say, said his hands were tied to to mm. bring in any further reforms, and, th- and that doesn't seem to be the case. Clearly, yeah. And, and if we see um, a lot of if we see teachers uh, along with the nurses, uh, other state uh, employees, other state services employees, or uh, whatever, uh, they get their pay rises. And if the government's pay rises are tied in with those, mm. we could see um, the next round. You know, they might get a ten percent increase in their wage because that's because that's what it's um, tied to. Sure, and, and, and it, uh, I mean, to, to a degree, John Key did bring in that type of reform. It's interesting to go back when you talk about teachers that um, uh, in the past, so if we go back to 1979, backbenchers in Parliament and experienced teachers earned basically the same amount. Yes. So that was, uh, at that time, $18,000 a year, which would be a lot more now due to inflation. But now a basic MP salary is twice that of a senior teacher, so the most senior teacher. So that shows you how out of whack uh, MP salaries are, and arguably CEO salaries are, compared with the general yeah. population. And we never hear that argument that, oh, we've got a, the government doesn't say, oh, we've got to um, substantially increase the pay of nurses and teachers because uh, of what they could get paid in the private sector or internationally. Um, we never hear that argument. We only hear that type of argument in regard to top-level management, that they deserve high pay because of, of what they could get in the private sector. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to quickly um, to the Criminal Justice Summit that was launched um, this week. Long uh, promises of long-term reform. Um, is it just another working group, or you know, uh, um, and uh, will the government really listen to what the people are saying? 
I, I fear entities like the Sensible Sentencing Trust have a little bit more, um, maybe a little bit too much uh, voice and a bit too much power um, in, in this. And, you know, they'll be putting, if they are opening things to the public and, and listening to what the public is saying and take some of those things on board, um, they've got a big coffers and they've got a lot of power behind them and mm. they could really do, I think, maybe some damage in the long term. Yeah, so the government had this criminal justice summit, and I think it is all about uh, the government trying to change the narrative and to, to win over the public to the idea of justice reform and prison reform. But as you said, there's bodies like the Sensible... Um, um, sensible what's it called again? Sensible, sensible sensi- Sentencing... Sensible Sentencing Trust, yeah. um, who, who will push back on, on any calls for reform. Um, I think this government is sincere uh, about reform. So Corrections Minister Calvin Davis and Andrew Little as well, Justice Minister Andrew Little, are are very much tapping into a a new wave within Western countries that the the model of just sort of lock them up and throw away the key to deal with crime hasn't worked. Mm. It's led to a substantial increase of the amount of people imprisoned. Um, The fact is that that, that most of those um, people who are in prison get out eventually, uh, and the question is, well, are they better people for serving 10, 20 so years in prison, or do they actually come out, uh, in a sense, worse people uh, being incarcerated for that amount of time? I think we will see reform under this government, but it will be curtailed by another of factors. First of all, the government's in coalition with um, New Zealand First, which uh, generally takes a conservative, not a reactionary line on um, justice and, and, and law and justice uh, issues. And uh, certainly, the three strikes you're out legislation, um, New Zealand First will push very hard to, to keep that legislation in place. Um, and although the government is talking about reforming uh, the prison system, uh, we've seen that um, where, there, where there is going to be an extension um, of, of prison beds, that uh, they're brought in uh, double bunking, uh, yes. which, which is uh, generally uh, ruled as being, um, in some circles, is ruled as being a form of torture and, and definitely puts prison prisoners under risk uh, being forced to sleep in the same river as another prisoner so there have been cases of of, of rape and assault etc because of double bunking um, so yes the, the, the government I think they're sincere about reform they're big on talk but um, so far we haven't seen any action mm. but if you bring mm. down the number of prisoners double bunking is not be- going to become an issue right and if you put some short-term investment then you're going to get long-term gains if you look at the like Sarah if you look at what's happening in places like Norway uh, and uh, other Scandinavian countries, their, pr- their rate of uh, reoffending is very low because they do do good work with the prisons in there in terms of prison reform. So it's a very important thing. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I think I agree entirely with you, and I think there are some some members of the government, such as Andrew Little, Calvin Davis, and Jacinda Ardern, who are very keen on real and dramatic reform, so that we do have a system much more similar to the Scandinavian one where um, they've got very low incarceration numbers and and work on really great programs for those who are in prison. Um, But we've also got in the government, as John has has pointed out, some kind of uh, people who take the more traditional populist approach. Um, So how they're going to, it will be difficult. And I I think Andrew Little is probably in, you know, he's, he's got his, he's in his perfect 
place, really. He's doing really well as a justice minister, I think. Oh, yes. He seems to have found his place and his voice. And he may well have the charisma to pull it off. Unfortunately, I think um, they're going to have a, a tough job bringing the New Zealand public along with them because we have got so used to that rhetoric, um, that kind of that we're dominated by that fear discourse that... Um, yeah, we have to lock people away and these people are beyond redemption. So I think it will be hard work, some of the, you know, to, to shift that public opinion. Uh, I, you know, I also, I'm concerned about things, for instance, you know, 1,300 extra police, which isn't going to help bring down prison numbers. Um, what might have been better was, was if they'd invested in 1,300 extra teachers uh, to, you know, to kind of work on, you know, make sure that we have a quality education system that yeah. that stops that, that journey towards criminality. All 1,300 extra highly skilled probation officers who can help people with that reintegration. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, 1,300 extra state houses because the problem is that a lot of people come out of prison and don't have decent secure housing to go into or decent secure mental health services around them. So I think... You know, they are going to have to make sure they have a consistent approach to this because it will be need radical and comprehensive reform across a number of portfolios. And I think the difficulty will be, as John has said, is bringing together a few of those kind of more traditional voices within the government, not just in New Zealand First, but also in Labour, to take a more... Um, a more progressive, radical approach, but certainly I think Andrew Little could do it. He's got, I think he's really passionate and um, sincere, as John has said about that, that desire for reform. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a, it's all about prevention at the, at the start. Don't even let the crime begin. You know, we have a problem. Absolutely. Yeah, we have an issue with with uh, inside the prisons, but we should be investing in our children. Um, yeah. And so, so they can grow up with secure futures and don't have to turn to mm. criminality and crime. Uh, anyway, we're going to have to leave it there. We've run out of time. But um, thank you both, Sarah and John, this morning. A pleasure as always. And thank we'll you. talk again next week. Cheers. Have a good Friday. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Bye.